In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I go over the loss to the Houston Rockets and the overall trend of aimless, directionless, effortless performances we've seen from the team when the Sixers' two stars suit up. Enjoy the podcast, I guess. That's all I got. We usually start the podcast off a different way. All I've got is one big long side. You know, I think, I think you and I try pretty hard to keep a level head, you know, to not overreact in a situation. I think it's really easy to sort of get caught in that trap in the social media age, especially covering a team. Really try hard not to do that. I think long-term listeners of this podcast will appreciate that. Even if they think we're stupid sometimes, which no doubt we are, at least we're honest and stupid. But I'm, I think I'm having a real hard time right now being level-headed about this team because I do not feel, I have not felt this frustrated watching basketball since the Al Horford-Josh Richardson era. And it's only seven games that Embiid and Harden have played together. I'm sure they will bring that up. What's the record there? <laughs> two and five. Ooh. Now, granted, that one and four start is doing some heavy lifting right there, or two and four, whatever it was. One and Who four, and they won in the game. They should never go two and five in a seven game stretch. They should not, especially when some of those losses are San Houston, Antonio, San Antonio, Houston, garbage teams. They have not looked good together. The team has not looked good with these two together all year. And I don't 100% know why. Like, I can, we can, we can list off the problems of Harden's game, of how they fit, yada, yada, yada. They were, they look worse than they looked last year after having never played basketball together. And I don't know why. And I need you to talk me off the ledge. Oh, dude, I don't know why either. Let me think. What do you think our biggest freak out has been? Like, what do you think our most negative podcast has been? Where, sure, maybe we're negative a lot just because we are criticizing the team or pointing out these repeated flaws. But has there ever been, I don't know, like, the, the angriest podcast we've had where we kind of just both said F it and, and really freaked out. It's a good question. We've, cause I was thinking about this the other day. We've been doing this together for at least eight years, possibly nine. I know we covered the 2014 draft together. So there's no freak outs in those first four no, or nobody five cares. years. Yeah, like nobody, nobody cares. cares. There might've been sadness with Joel's second uh, sure. broken foot. That but doesn't I don't know count. if we were angry. The only one I'm thinking of is, I think we did one after game five of the Hawk series. Yeah, that was a that's, dark time. That's the one. I mean, that 2019 season, there were probably some pretty angry ones. Although that was like, that I, was pretty I, consistently bad. You know, I, I don't really remember. Yeah. I remember when we, we had on Jared Weiss and Jay King oh, yeah. before that, that series. And <laughs> we got some feedback like, hey, you guys are way too negative about their chances. Um, what did we say? Celtics, Celtics and six? Yeah. And then the Celtics swept them. <laughs> Beat them um, four. Yeah. No, I don't think we were angry at that point because I think we expected them to lose. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is bleak. I, I'm sure, I'm sure there have been angrier podcasts. Probably like, I want to say Burnagate, but I feel like that was more like amusing. Oh no, that was, I think that was that more. That was probably funny. Yeah. Yeah. We, we had some fun with that. I mean, like after when Colangelo wrote the, the letter and I yeah. was like. Oh man, what is what is they hired that? A, hired a hired a firm that specializes night. in these things. 
what's that dinner table convo going to be like tonight? Those type of things. Okay. The only reason I bring that up is if we did a pod right after that game on Monday night, I oh would have God. been, I was disgusted with what I saw. Like really actually disgusted. I, everybody on the team would have been slandered and, and they're, they're still going to Maybe not Tobias. Well, I'll, I'll leave oh, yeah. Tobias out. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Tobias, who is the guy who poster really boy. has been the whipping boy, yeah. poster boy for struggles and things like that. And for really organizational incompetence for a while there. Not that mm-hmm. he's incompetent, but giving him that contract organizational incompetence. Uh, no, he's the one I have least problems with right now. Because he seems to understand his role when he, when Harden's here, when Harden's not here. Yeah, he, he played great. And that's what made that performance so sickening. I mean, Derek, you get an A-plus Tobias game. Yep. Nine of 15, seven of eight from three. Seven of yep. eight. And the team shoots 17 of 36 from yep. beyond the arc. Now, to be fair, they got good looks. I, I, you know, Houston was giving up some of those good looks. You shot the ball that well, and you got outplayed so bad in every other aspect. It was so disheartening. And I, I guess my main takeaway from this, watching them get absolutely throttled on the glass, this team that's supposed to be tough, this team's supposed to have it that I don't want to hear anything more about, oh, that you know, he's got that dog in him or whatever like that with any of these players. Because I got PJ Tucker today sounding like Al Horford saying, like, yeah, we gotta be more physical. I mean, that shouldn't have been a problem with this team. Oh. Last year's team, yeah, did they need to be more physical? Yeah, but they, they couldn't have been because they had all of these smaller guys. No, they, they actually have size right now. I mean, their lineup, their their main lineup the other night when they gave up forty seven percent. Offensive rebounding. You want me to run through these guys? James Harden. Okay, that's the one guy who is a bad defender. Whatever. Supposed to be an okay rebounder, though. Defensive glass is like the one thing he... Defensive glass and switching. All right. AKA, he's lazy, but he's not giving you that either. Let's run off the next four. D'Anthony Melton, awesome rebounder for his position. P.J. Tucker. Should be able to box out at least, right? He's the dog they needed, yeah. Tobias. Also should be good. And then he was bad on defense with the rest of these guys. And Joel Embiid in the middle, 47% offensive rebounding. That is They're a worse pathetic. rebounding team than they were last year. Pathetic. They're not what even is good, that? Like, uh, normally, I'd say, like, hey, Joel Embiid's missed time. They're not even good offensive or defensive rebounding team when he's on the floor. At least the game before, which was also bad, at least Steven Adams is just a man-child. And I kind of understand why. If Joel helps on John Morant, okay, the rest of these guys have no chance against Steven Adams, and that's kind of how Memphis makes its hay. You had Houston just crashing a billion guys, and they were doing it the entire game, and the Sixers never adjusted. They never got that dog in them. They never, like, just manned up, got a body, gang rebounded, whatever. They just stood there. And, I mean, some of it is dribble penetration and letting guys – get to the basket which is bad Harden's by the way so bad huh uh, i was just saying Harden's so bad defensively and Harden so is bad. killing them on that end of the court uh, he's killing, killing them, them on offense too, too. We'll that. but the rest of these guys should not be allowing dribble penetration and that happens sometimes like yeah. eric gordon straight drive li- or uh, straight line drives with 22 left on the shot clock What what is going on so i mean that's like a disaster and what how many free throws did uh did they also shoot to the shot? That first quarter took 45 minutes. And I had people complaining about Tony Brothers. Like, could you pick out one or two bad calls? Sure. 
The Sixers reached in. They didn't they shot feet. Yeah, they shot 44 free throws. Now, I think it was 30. It was in the high 30s during regulation. Obviously, they played two overtimes. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. You know, it was funny. The first quarter, there were like three or four really good defensive possessions. Yeah. It was the only ones they played the entire game. And I remember the, the two that stick out, Tobias with just a completely nonsensical reach in on Jabari Smith, who wasn't even looking at the basket when he was shooting. And then Melton fouled somebody on a three. I forget. I think it was Gordon on a three. Like he was trying to block his shot. Like Matisse, what are you doing? Gordon was flying like JJ Redick, 35 feet from the end of the shot clock too. Like you had, you, you, you did, you accomplished your task. Let him take. uh. And there, there are two ways to go from there. There are, okay, you're playing good defense at the start of this game. If you just cut out the fouling, it'll be fine. Or you can just play bad defense and just use up all your defense. And they were horrible the rest of the game. I mean, Embiid getting his third foul on just a lazy kind of tug yep. of the the shirt at the end. Ugh. And of it course, was- that that's a disaster, too, because they play Trez for a couple minutes, and it's a disaster. It's not all Trez's fault, but it was a disaster. Ugh. Just awful. By the way, don't take him out. You don't have you don't have to take him out when he gets that third foul. You do, It's not actually in the rule books. I, this I, drives I me insane. Because all you're doing is guaranteeing the outcome that you're trying to prevent. You're limiting Embiid's minutes. And what did what did, what did they go on? Like a twelve to four run to end the half and take the yeah. lead, something like that. And it was because look, it was because Harden stunk offensively sure. and he couldn't carry it. But and and did, did did Embiid end up fouling out in overtime? Yeah, but maybe that game doesn't go to overtime if you let him finish out that first half. I I, I don't like when coaches do that at all. Well, at all, completely agree. And this coach does it a lot. So all the time, it's automatic. It's an automatic. It's, Kind of ridiculous. It's weird too. You know what's crazy about it? He like, I, I guess because it's Kevin Johnson. I I have sat next to the uh, the bench enough to know who the uh, you know who the the person who informs him about it. And Kevin Johnson is their trainer. Those and he's Phoenix also the, trips are great, aren't they? Yeah, Phoenix and Memphis <laughs> and Oklahoma City. Where I knew exactly which stadium you were talking about. Where like Kevin Johnson, if if you guys have noticed, watching the uh, the the shorter bald guy who uh, who is their trainer Been there for a as million well. years. Yeah. Uh, very familiar face. When you see him talking to the head coach, whether this was Doc, whether this was Brett, a lot of times it's, well, sometimes it's about an injury. It's probably informing him what's going on. But a lot of times it's like, this guy has three fouls or you have yeah. X amount of timeouts. It's those those couple of things where that's his job because he sits uh, close to the bench. It's weird. He he tells Doc and Doc leaves Joel in until the next stoppage. And then he's like, okay, now it's time to play Montrez who, Probably should have played Reed too. It's just insane. So that was, it was really bad. And I, I just, we can get into all of the aspects about this because the the other thing too is the, the offense down the stretch was just a joke. I mean, it's like when you combine how little of a shit you give on defense with just the worst decisions, stagnant, no, but terrible decisions that stem from just stagnant, garbage, unimaginative offense. It's just like, I, I wanted that game to end. Everybody watching that game just wanted the game to end. They didn't really care if they won or lost. Like, if these guys have, like, any sort of brain power, like, they, that had to be a loss because y- you can't look at that and say, like, even if they won the game, even if Harden makes that shot where Doc actually drew up a pretty good play at the end of the first overtime, got him a decent look, if For a second, win. I thought you were talking about the end of regulation. I thought you'd lost your mind. No, no, that was terrible. 
Um, and that's probably the only positive thing I'm going to say about Doc because I was watching that game and I was thinking like Twitter and Reddit thinks on most nights. Like I I thought he was a disaster in that game. To be fair, you, you don't think like in that. So obviously he doesn't call a timeout there uh, at the end of regulation. For the most part, I don't 100% disagree with that. A lot of coaches don't call timeouts there. They don't want defenses to have a chance to um, talk about it, to sub, all that stuff. You don't think, like, do you think he really, like, called Harden isolation no. there? Or did Harden just kind of take it? Yeah. No, I'm just yeah, not I think he, he entrusted his, his stars to play a two-man game. Yeah, I'm just not complimenting him sure. about that. No, he, I, was I a, the, he was a disaster for a lot of reasons. Too. The, yeah, everyone the play, was a disaster. The play he drew up, though, at the end of the first overtime was a good look. but. My my point is this, and, and they've won some games, they've lost some games, but you know they're two and five with them beating Harden. You can't play like this. You, yeah. you, I for, forget winning a championship, just being a you know a top four seed and putting up a fight in the second round. If you play like this, you are not good enough to make that level, which you have been at for a long time, and it's it's just brutal to watch. So I you know. I was disgusted watching that whole game, and we can get into all this, all the aspects. But I—that's I, a long-winded way, probably like an eight-minute way of me telling you. I, I don't know, like I—I I don't want to draw too much from it and say, you know, this team is automatically doomed. But I, I hated how they've played, and I really have hated how they have played with Embiid and Harden on the floor at the same time. Hated it. Yeah, there is certainly part of me, probably the more rational part maybe the forced rational part that wants to say seven games are going to just missed a, missed a month, you know, give them more time. But then there's the other part of me. that said, look, even with all the additions they made in the off season, I don't think this team's a real contender unless Hart either Harden recaptures some of his scoring ability from the perimeter or Maxi develops enough where he can take the ball out of Harden's hand and become that elite uh, perimeter scorer. And through seven games of seeing these two together, I don't know how like, not only have they not taken that step, but they've taken a significant step backwards together. And that decision-making down a stretch from Embiid, who just a week ago was bragging about how he's unguardable, right in that spot on the floor, making those two jump pass nonsense. It was the same exact play. Whatever the fuck he was doing. By the Harden's- way, on the first play, that was a good cut by Melton. Look at him. Yeah. Look at him. Like, like he went away from the other help defender. Look well, at him and throw the ball. Sorry. And, and look, I think a lot of people got on Embiid for his end-of-game failures. I actually think he'd been doing a pretty good job this year. I think this was a little bit of an anomaly in that regard. But I look, I pull up the, the synergy numbers for him when he's facing up top of the key. He shoots 51% on those shots. And he does so with a 7% turnover rate, which is absurdly low. Like, yep. for the most part, what he talks about is true when he says that he is pretty much unguardable in that spot on the floor. They got him the ball where they need to get the ball, and he just... I have no idea what was running through his mind. I have no, It almost seems like he was trying a little too hard to be Joel Embiid setup man, which I commend him for. But like, holy shit, were those bad decisions? Like that wasn't even there was there was nothing there. He he, he like predetermined to pass, and I, I I didn't get that. Harden's shot was mind-bogglingly bad. In part, so I think there it was, was like it was embarrassing. It was really bad. In part because he hadn't done shit since the first quarter. In part because I think there were like two and a half seconds between the shot clock and a game clock. Okay, so like a lot of times, we see this with, with Jimmy. You take a potential game winner like that because there's no chance of a turnover and you can run the clock down to nothing. 
and not give them any chance. No, they Maybe time your out. shot only had a 25% chance of going in, but if you get take that all like right at the end of the shot clock, it takes a second or second and a half for them to get the defensive rebound. They only have a second, even if they take the timeout right away. Okay, fine. Well, he took the freaking shot with four seconds left on the shot clock and gave them a chance. Not only was it a terrible shot, not only was it a worse shot than what Embiid could have gotten, but it was early too, and it gave them a chance to win the game right there. It was just mind-bogglingly... It's just, it's a ridiculous decision. What he has to do there is, we can get on Embiid. That's Embiid's shot. He had a crazy mismatch with Sangoon. Look, man, if if there's a three-second shot clock differential, you run a pick and roll and get him the ball at the free throw yeah. line. That's what you do, and you don't worry about the shot clock. And yet, you decide to play hero ball because what? Because it was in Houston? What yeah. on earth? I you think were four of 19 from the field, man. Yep. That's Look, that's really bad. I, I'm sorry. Like He can't have moments like that. It's complete garbage for him to come back and, and take that shot. And you know what? He played, what, 38 minutes? Ridiculous. First off, that's something else that the coach did that was came into the game. Talk about a minutes restriction. What was restriction? 40, 45? Like, what are we talking about here? Ridiculous decision. Also, because he was playing poorly. Like, if you played shaken overtime, maybe you win. Um, But also, hey, man, like, you added 10 more minutes when really you could have gotten them beat the ball and, and gotten away from it. But look, see, to me, I think this is, this is good. They need to learn this. Like, this is, that was garbage long before they lost the game. Oh, they, they, yeah, they didn't deserve that. That would have been the least deserving win. Of the, I mean, this was Houston. And like, we can talk about their offensive successes and you rattle off some of their three-point shooting. Houston's a terrible defensive team. Like, yeah, they executed offensively at times, not counting Harden, but they should have. They should have won that game going away. And for them to, it's one thing, you know, we talked about the dribble pen- penetration to start the game. Sort of understand that a little bit because Houston's young and athletic. You can talk about the defensive rebounding a little bit. Houston's real good at that. Again, they're young, athletic. Um, Sixers aren't necessarily either of those two. We've seen sort of that game play out a bunch during the process Sixers era, where the, the veteran team, the more talented team, comes back and wins it at the end because they have the experience, because they have the talent level. But the Sixers were the ones making the mistakes down the stretch, too. You compounded the lack of effort and the lack of athleticism with the lack of ex- execution, and it was just wildly discouraging and again i understand james harden like i understand the rust i understand the poor shooting it's really the decision making and the indifference you know i think the as he harden's tough for me just as a not not necessarily talking about previous game but just as a player so on the one hand i really like his passing and i appreciate that and i think it's been undersold for a portion of his career and certainly when he was first acquired by the sixers but when you start talking about like legitimately every other habit he has, it's fucking infuriating from the perimeter defense, which he doesn't even try. Like he legitimately doesn't even try. His closeouts are the most comical thing I've ever watched. And it puts the defense in a bind every time it happens. His transition defense is a disaster and completely embarrassing. His ball dominance leads to a lot of stagnation. And when he transitions into being a 15 point per game score instead of a 30 point per game score. A lot of those become a lot tougher to live with. And do I think he's going to be better than last or the other game? Was that last night? I don't even fucking know what day it is anymore. Uh, no, today's today's Wednesday, right? Two nights ago. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, when I'm not even talking, like I think he'll be better than Monday for sure. 
for sure. And he will have times where he looks electric and incredible. But I'm really worried about committing to this guy. And that's a discussion for a different podcast. But I'm just, I, it, it, it's hard for me to find optimism right now, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. It's hard for me to find optimism, either yeah. in the short or long term. Yeah, I mean, that Harden game is... That's I mean, the worst you'll see. It's the worst you'll see, but it's also, there were some common threads on other bad Harden games. He shot 0 of 8 from two-point range and was not particularly close on a lot of those layups. That's a major issue, man. It's just, it's a, it's a major problem. Um, you know, he shot 4 of 11 on step-back threes. That's good. Also, like, doesn't take catch-and-shoot threes either. Yeah. Um, and I think what is just mind-boggling to me, he he was also rusty in that game. I will give him some credit for that. He was losing the ball. Like, Kevin Porter was just stripping the ball yeah. from him, or he was just dribbling the ball off his foot. I got to think that's not going to happen moving yeah. forward. If they for do, sure. holy shit, sure. do they have a problem if that's going to happen. But that, no, I, that's something I, I've never seen from him, so... I, I will step back on uh, on that one. But the thing that is absolutely mind-boggling to me is that him and Joel Embiid, who, you know, my God, ha- how many people cited the best pick-and-roll combination in the league? Like, it just comes so easy to them. And it really, it did. Last year, that has gotten worse. And I don't know why. I don't know how these two don't know how to run offense together and why it turns in a, just a mess. So you, you mentioned those those passes that Joel threw, the, the bad ones, him leaning too much into playmaker mode. Man, I like when he's in playmaker mode when they're like pinging the ball around. That That's not when he's pinging it around. That's like him no. holding the ball for forever. And not to say he can't do that once in a while, but just watching Harden dribble the ball up the left side of the court and throw the ball to Embiid against the Houston Rockets at the elbow. And that's the play. What, what is James Harden here for if that's the play? Yeah. That's Ben Simmons could do that. Ben Simmons did do that. Where he dribbles it up the court. That's all he has to do. And then he has to make a non-threatening pass to the elbow. That's all that has to happen. So why is James Harden here? And also, like, Doc Rivers, what are you doing? There, there, there has to be more than that. Because as you said, the Houston Rockets are a terrible defense. That Joel Embiid elbow five 85 times at the end of the game against a good defense, that is never going to get you over the top. Never. Never. So why are you doing it against the worst team in the league? I just picture Doc is always hunched over on the sidelines. He gets super intense at the end of these games, just watching and living and dying with every possession. Hey, Doc, maybe it'll be a little bit less tense if you call a fucking play, man. Seriously, that's not good enough. I hate that. Ugh. The other four guys, yeah. the other four guys are just standing there. And PJ Tucker, marathon man, fine, he can stand there. You have Tobias Harris, who was twenty-seven points, and did he touch the ball once in like a seven-minute span? I'm not saying you have to run a lot of offense through him, but for him to be that isolated, the Anthony Melton, he could do something with the ball in his hands. It's just crazy to me that when these two guys play together. The whole thing looks so much worse. Forget the efficiency. It looks so much worse than when Shake Milton and DeAnthony Milton and Tobias Harris are your main three cocks. It it does. I, I hate it. It turns into ISO garbage, slow stuff. And I, 
look, again, I'll just, if, if they think they're going to compete for anything with the way the unserious approach on both ends of the court that they have approached the games where Embiid and Harden have played, they're mistaken. And like, I, I would hope there's some soul searching going on over this week because like, yeah. I, I don't want to, I don't want to hear about, you know, Doc again today talking about their injuries. Nobody cares, man. Everybody's banged up. So what? Tyrese Maxey, great player. Come on, man. You got enough to win. George Niang, who cares? You made 17 of 36 from three. Other teams are banged up too, man. Yeah. Talk about rust and all these things. We're just getting our guys back, all of these things. No, man. These guys played together last year. And also, I, I can accept rust, and I can accept like not knowing how to play with each other when you actually run freaking plays. like they, There's yeah. not... I don't know. It's well, uh, that's the thing. They're not. They're not doing enough of the little things that are in the benefit of the doubt either. Like, yeah, you might get rust, but you know, Doc's whole thing is, oh, I change a culture here. Well, I see a team that's been shitty on transition defense and shitty on the glass, hasn't been defending the perimeter. Where's the culture? That's why culture's right. BS. That's why the whole thing is BS. And accountability. Oh, you got them to go to dinner and play cards. Great, but like, how about they hustle and box out? I don't know. That to me sounds like culture. I'm just a reporter though, and I know I. Coaching's tough, um, so maybe I need him to explain it to me slow. But like, where, where's the where's the promised culture? And to be fair, this was part of the thing that we we talked about at the end of Brett's era. I think the stars generally set the culture, and James Harden's not exactly a details guy. But that's what you sold yourself as. That's what you crow about before the season. That's what you go on on podcasts and talk about that you changed and you got him to play poker. Great. I want to box out. I don't care about poker. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I also, we, we should not go without mentioning the bench for the last week after being awesome continues to be bad. Like, yeah. Paul Reed, play some positive minutes for me, please. It's not just your fault. Honestly, I like what he's doing as a finisher. But my yeah. God, can we can we win some of the non embed minutes? Because as much crap as we're I like I always struggle with this. How much crap should we give Joel for that game? Like how much? I thought he was pretty terrible down the stretch. Thought he was a part of the rebounding problem. A part. Yeah. Now, in fairness to him, I think he had four defensive rebounds before the end of uh before before he fouled out in that thirty five minutes I think he played. It's not good. I remember a lot of plays in that game where he was under siege, where four guys were kind of jumping yeah. on him <laughs> and yep. getting the rebound. So how much of that blame do you give? I, I don't know what the no, right answer is. No, they have so there. much athleticism crashing in from the perimeter. That needed to be a, a team effort, and there's no team rebounding on this team. So that's really bad. Uh, and, and it's not. And maybe a lot of it is not his fault. Um, you know, he was he was a positive player, and he scored a bunch of points against Made some inexcus- inexcusable decisions. But he made some inexcusable decisions both in passing and some of his fouls were ridiculous. Like, yeah. I'll also add, come on, man, on that Kevin Porter drive, just stay straight up. Make him yeah. make he was shot in position. over you. He was in good position to force a tough shot. And Joel Embiid, I, he hadn't fouled out in like three years. Like, legitimately, like, you know, a thousand days or whatever. He's usually really good at that which is another reason why I think Doc should have let him play the end of the second quarter. But to come down like that, like you said, he was in position. That was going to be a real tough shot. Uh, there's no reason to send him to the line. There's no reason. It's just, it was, it seemed like a lot of players were playing hero ball. And I don't necessarily mean that just in isolation game winning shot attempts. Although I, I do mean that in James Harden's attempt, but whether that's Embiid's passing or Embiid trying to make the game-saving block, like they just didn't play like the veteran team against a bunch of kids. I start playing hard on defense. Start moving the ball on offense. Like I, enough. I, I yeah, and and that, the other. That, no, go ahead. I was just gonna say that, that's why I don't give them the benefit of the doubt for their layoffs or their their lack of availability or hard missing a month. They're not. They're not doing the little things to earn the benefit of the doubt. They're just not doing it. They also that game we should add. They had two days off in Houston. Houston yeah. played a road back to back on Friday Sunday before yeah, that they game. Played three and four games and a grueling one. Yeah, they they played Phoenix, who they beat down to the wire. Now they deserve some credit. They're starting to play a little bit better. They, sure. I think Jalen Green is going to be a really talented scorer for a long time. For example, and but East, if we're East, saying that they're Houston's playing better and Jalen green, but like that, that's not a contender. A contender doesn't need those oh, no. excuses. Oh no. I'm just, they get paid. They get paid. They get, they deserve some credit for sure. But still, I mean, look, the Sixers had just had a terrible week and they had the rest advantage. It's, it's like I said, move the ball, play hard on defense. Cause here's, here's the other issue too. Your fan base is about one step from just completely checking out. Yeah. There's completely a lot of, checking out. A lot of apathy right now. A lot of apathy. It's either apathy or it's disgust. And I don't know which one is worse. 
But oh, no, apathy is definitely worse. And if if the people who are disgusted are probably trending towards apathy. Yeah. So that's so a defense my, mechanism that we're all going through. That's my general thought. And and I gotta say, watching that game in particular, I felt the same way. It was like, this has got to end. There's a three day layoff after this great, and not because I care whether the Sixers get healthy or get on the same page. They should. They should care a lot about that. But I just don't want to watch this right now. It's is really bad, and I, I guess to wrap it up, like it's look, it's his first game back, but the fact that a lot of these problems seem to stem to James Harden is uh, it's concerning. Yeah. Oh boy, if they give him that next contract, oh boy. Hopefully, he looks better. Although, to be honest, if he looks better, then I worry about that contract even more. That is, uh, yeah, I don't know, 35, 36, 37, 38-year-old James Harden without changing his habits. Discussion for a different podcast, I guess. All right, I got, I got, I got nothing else. We don't need to be, uh, no, I, too long here. This is, this is, has not been uplifting. It's just, it's so ridiculous that they look their best when, you know, I saw a tweet, it was like, somebody was like, I'd rather just watch them play with Maxi and the team that was playing the last week. And watching that game, you know what? I think ultimately that's not going to be true. But yeah, man, watching that game, I, I find it perfectly understandable that somebody would have that emotion because that was garbage. When James Harden, you need James Harden to have any championship equity. I think you have very little right now. But the only real way you no, would they get have, some. By the way, they have none until. Uh, for sure. They play well for a month. This is the only I, real I way so you would this. get them though is if James Harden turns it around. You're not going to get it by starting Shake Milton and having him run the offense. You might enjoy watching him more and that's but that's the point. But, it, sure. but I think these people know that there is no championship equity. So let's let's enjoy the two and a half hours we spend every couple sure. nights watching these guys. But I think long term you would get frustrated pretty quickly watching a team waste Joel Embiid's few remaining pro anyway i agree that stylistically it is more pleasurable to watch but i think they're just when james harden looks bad it is as bad as it gets because he doesn't care Do anything about else little yeah. things it's just it's maddening it is and he he was so good for so long that he got away with it but you're not gonna be that good forever it's also like, why was he? Why was he playing if he was going to look that bad? You just have three days off. Why? Why don't you just let Shake win you that game against that terrible team? Give him three days off and then let him play. Or at like, home. just play him half the minutes. Play him twenty minutes. Ease him back into playing. You don't have to. You don't have to play him forty minutes right off the bat. Not. I mean, and if if, so if you can't get through to Harden and convince him to ease into it, then you're not the culture setting coach. Is so bad. I mean, it really just a ni- nightmare. Doc Rivers' performance, nightmare, <sighs> nightmare. James Harden' performance, nightmare. Everybody' performance, but but those two, yeah, yeah, those those two definitely led the way. Definitely led the way. All right, Rich. Sorry that we had to go through this together. Usually, we... I feel like we've been better with the joking and you know some this other was a stories. Tough one, man, this was a tough one. I'm I'm disgusted, just like everybody. So. We we prefer to watch good basketball, and that was not anywhere near. After being completely dominated physically 
by Memphis that was not the competitive response and being completely run out of the gym by Cleveland. Like, where's a competitive response? Where, where is it? Where? Anyway, thank you for jumping on. We'll talk to you soon. See ya.